0: Building a real estate portfolio is as much about buying properties as being a de facto entrepreneur. I'm Karina Ufinger. I'm a multi-property investor, rental management company CEO, and also a landlord coach. I'm going to show you the systems and knowledge you need to thrive as a real estate entrepreneur. From your first property purchase to building a portfolio of passive income where you work less than five hours a week, you'll learn the essential information and skills to build a profitable portfolio, and live the life you truly want. Whether you are well on your journey or just starting out, you're in the right place. Welcome to the Landlord Chick Podcast. Hey guys, so today's episode is going to be a little bit different because we're going to actually cover current events real estate. I never really thought I would cover current events real estate on here because I feel like I can put this effort into the podcast, post it, and it could possibly be out of date within like a week. But with what the CDC did about two weeks ago now, I think it's really crucial – for us to have good resources to cut through the malarkey out there and to get some true facts and some good interpretations on what exactly the cdc is doing what they meant to do and what we can and cannot do there's a lot of information right now out there of course the press is covering this immensely but yet at the same time their coverage honestly is not giving us as rental investors, a good enough indication of what the purpose of this is and what we can still do. In fact, they're kind of glazing over the entire thing and saying like, oh, no evictions. And I'm sitting here in my house like, no, that's not what was said at all. So I want to take the opportunity to help you cut through a lot of the noise that's out there and help you figure out how you can operate your rental properties in the next couple months during this CDC moratorium on evictions. Now, I want to be clear, first off, we're not going to get political in this. We're not going to be criticizing administrations or political parties or anything like that. This is strictly going to be the facts and interpretation completely apolitical. One of the things that people are questioning in the real estate world is does this mean we can't give notices? What's crucial to understand is that the CDC is not preventing you from giving notices. You can still give your notices. What they're limiting is the evictions that they want to see going through in the country right now. Before we get to the eviction side, I want to focus more on that giving notices side though. I'm going to take you down a little bit of U.S. government class, I guess, a little bit. I apologize. I'm a nerd. So you're going to see my, ne- my nerdy side come out. But I want to be sure you guys know basically why the federal government didn't go as far as saying that. Now, we could say there's political motivations for it. But truly, if you look at it from a political scientist standpoint, which is what my degree is in, the way our country is set up. We have the federal government, the state governments, and then local governments, which are made up like county and then city, town boards. Those are your municipal governments. All of these work together to basically regulate our day-to-day lives in one fashion or another. Now, if we go back to our U.S. history class in high school, and when we covered the American Civil War, you likely heard the term or phrase infringing on states' rights a lot during that time period. And that's because some of the contention regarding the civil war was that the federal government didn't have the power to let, to regulate commerce in the states to the extent that they were doing with eliminating slavery. Now, fast forward, basically, let's say 200 years, cause I'm not that great at math. We're still doing, we're still dealing with this idea of infringing on states' rights so if we look at it and we said the federal government does it have the authority to regulate commerce on that level to completely ban evictions and giving notices and the answer for that is no it would be very very hard for any administration to put out a regulation that inhibits evictions and your ability to give notices without the states collectively crying, infringing on our rights, because those are the activities, the commerce that is normally and overwhelmingly left to the individual states to regulate. So I would be shocked if we ever saw a big ban like that come from the federal government, because honestly, it just doesn't have the level of power to do that. There is so much about that that is traditionally regulated to the states that it would be hard pressed for it to go through and for it not to be contested. So, if you're wondering whether you can give notices, you have to look at your state government. You have to look at even your county government, government and your city government. Those are the three entities that can issue bans on giving notices. We had one here in Wisconsin uh, back in, let's say, April, May, and maybe June, it was even applicable. That was short-term memory, so it's already like out of my head how long it lasted. But our state said, for this time period, you can't give notices, you can't file evictions. And we only had one exception to that rule, actually, and it was a very, very strict exception. So as long as your state doesn't have anything in place or your local government where that property is located, you can still give your notices right now. doesn't matter if it's 60 day, uh, which in Wisconsin would be like, hey, we're not gonna renew your lease. Uh, A 30 day, month to month, five day, whatever notices you have in your state, you can still 100% give those. What the CDC is doing is they're trying to limit the number of evictions that are a direct result of monetary losses. It's crucial to understand that the biggest point of this CDC regulation is that they are trying to prevent basically homelessness directly related to the coronavirus. So when they issued this regulation, There are some very crucial parts in it that remove the idea of it being this blanket freeze on evictions, despite what you might be led to believe by reading media reports. And this is why I don't tend to read news articles on, honestly, any new laws or regulations because chances are they're getting some part of it wrong. This is not a complete freeze on evictions. There are a couple key factors here that still allow us to regulate our properties and conduct our business. So number one, we can still evict for lease violations. Now, they are asking us to exercise caution when issuing lease violation evictions they want them to be of a severe nature. So what will be of a severe nature? A violation of a severe nature would probably be something, is something, I'm sorry, it is something that affects the structural integrity of the building, so it's gonna cause damage to the building, or it's going to be a a severe physical threat or imminent physical harm to another tenant so last part either there has to be like this threat of harm to a tenant like the possibility of it or there really truly is like imminent it's going to happen sort of physical harm to a tenant in those instances we can still do lease violation notices and lease violation evictions What's crucial understanding here is the severity of it. Are you going to be able to evict somebody for having an unauthorized pet? Not likely. Are you going to be able to evict somebody for having an unauthorized pet that also attacked a neighbor? Yes, because there was physical harm involved there. So you still have the right to make sure you can remove that tenant because there was physical harm there as a direct result of an animal in their unit so that would be a lease violation you could evict on so with lease violations be sure they're ones that are severe there is physical threat to a tenant there's physical harm that's imminent to a tenant or there's structural integrity issues as a direct result of the lease violation uh hoarding that's a great example of the last one would be hoarding if you have a hoarder and they're causing structural damage you can still evict to get rid of them. Let's talk about the monetary side. So we covered the evictions we can still do. We can still do lease violations, but yet we really know the CDC, the majority of what they're trying to do here is limit the monetary evictions. What I am content with, and that's really the only emotion I want to use to attach to this. What I am content with is that this was not another guess what you can evict anybody for any reason whatsoever and they even didn't say we're freezing all monetary evictions what they said is there are requirements to be met in order for a monetary eviction to go through or not go through now i want to look at this from the not going through perspective because that's going to be easier to digest and understand so the cdc has said A monetary eviction can be avoided by a tenant if they can prove the following things. And it's important to understand that the burden of proof is on the tenant. Number one, a substantial loss of income directly related to the coronavirus. So let's tear that apart here. Substantial income. The indication I have gotten from some attorneys who were on an ABA Zoom call. uh, When this goes, it'll probably be like five days ago already. But So I spoke with some attorneys that were on an ABA Zoom call, which is the American Bar Association, by the way. Nerdy speak there. Substantial loss of income. To really kind of figure out what that is, because there isn't a monetary amount attached to it in the CDC's guidelines, but the legal community is believing that the interpretation of substantial loss of income is going to be a loss of income that is greater than 50% of the rent. So if the rent on the unit is $1,400, if a tenant has a loss of $700 of income, that would be a substantial loss of income. Now this is a course open to judge interpretation, but generally speaking, The indication is judges are likely to be looking for about 50% or more of the decrease in their income as it regards to rent. The other part of that statement, so it's a substantial loss of income, which we just covered directly due to coronavirus, And this is the other crucial part. So you have to prove not only that they lost a substantial part of their income, which is likely going to have to be at least 50% of the rent, but they also have to have proof that that loss of income was directly related to the coronavirus so a letter from their boss that says that the boss maybe shut down the company an ex boss maybe it's someone who got their hours cut or took a pay decrease so they wouldn't get completely laid off but they have to have proof that their financial hardship is directly related to COVID. And it has to come from basically their boss. This is all assuming that they have a W-2 job. So if you have a tenant who just quit their job and didn't pay rent, they're not going to be able to avoid an eviction based on the first part of what we've just said, because they chose to quit their job. They didn't lose it as a direct result of COVID. They didn't lose their income as a direct result of COVID. They literally woke up one day and decided, I hate my job. I'm not going into work. So they have to be able to prove number one, it's a substantial loss of income. And two, that it was directly related to the coronavirus. Remember the burden of proof is on the tenant. Two, the other requirement, and this is the one I really, really appreciate being in here is that the tenant has to either, one, be making payments in good faith or prove that they have made attempts to seek assistance so that they could make payments in good faith. So let's break that down. Making payments in good faith. Making payments in good faith is basically them saying, hey, I don't have the full rent, but I've got 200 for you. I've got 300 for you, and they do that every month. They're like, hey, I've got this for you this month, or this for you this month, and they're doing it consistently. If they are giving you smaller payments consistently, and again, the amount is gonna be up to interpretation by a judge, but that would then qualify for a good faith payment. But let's say you have a tenant who hasn't made good faith payments that they haven't given you any money. Then the only other loophole they have or out, I should say, is that they have to be able to prove that they've tried getting assistance, that they've tried getting help from charities to give you money. And if there's no paperwork that exists to prove that, they don't have the burden of proof that they would need to get a stay on the eviction. So, Here we go, let's talk about this concretely now in a good concise way. So in order to avoid an eviction that you have filed, a tenant would have to show up to court and present to the judge number one, proof of substantial loss of income that is directly related related to coronavirus. So likely an income, a loss of income that is 50% or more of the rent. Two, like we said, verification from their employer or somehow verifying that this loss of income was directly related to the coronavirus. 3. They have to show that they tried to make or have made good faith payments. So have made good good faith payments. They can show a ledger of theirs from you which says, "Hey, I paid them $200 here, $300 this month, $400 this month. I'm trying to make payments." If they can't do that, then they have to provide documentation that says, hey, we tried to get rental assistance. We're trying to get rental assistance. If they can't produce any of the last two in regards to good faith payments or assistance, they're not going to get their stay on the eviction. The first part they need to qualify is the income. Then the second part, this isn't you qualify one or the other. Once they've qualified that, that yes, I did have a loss of income directly related to the coronavirus. Then they need to have proof of either good faith payments or their attempts to get rental assistance to get a full stay on the eviction. This is a good thing, guys. This really is a good thing. Okay, that's all I have to say on this. I'm done. I'm done with the CDC thing. I don't think this is going to change. There's not going to be anything else that I think is going to change us drastically. So we're going to wrap this up. I know this was a longer one. I didn't want to make it longer, but it needed to be longer to make sure all of you had the information and that you truly understood the purpose of this and what we can still do in regards to regulating our rental properties. Next week, back to our regularly scheduled program of slightly shorter episodes and general topics not related to current events. Stay safe. Have a great week, guys. I'll see you next time.